Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Welcome back to the High Tech Freedom Sales Podcast. So today I want to talk about uncovering personal pain, why it matters, and maybe how to do it. Uh, If you missed last Friday's episode, go back and check out episode 113 on latent pain versus real pain. So we do our guest episodes on Wednesday, and then I do a short solo episode on Friday, uh, just as a reminder. So today, going back to uh, uncovering personal pain. So I want to cover really just two main points in the topic. Number one, why spend time trying to uncover the personal pain of your customer contacts. Number two, how can you uncover personal pain and maybe some examples or questions that you can ask. All right, so let's jump into it. So why does personal pain matter? Why does knowing your customer's personal pain matter? Well, number one, motivation. Let's start with motivation. One of the greatest motivators for people to get things done is what's in it for them. Personal pain creates a sense of urgency when it is your customer that's dealing with it. When customers realize that that their personal pain or more importantly, their well-being or goals are at stake, they're more motivated to take action and find a solution. And by uncovering that personal pain, you can help them understand the immediate need for change and ultimately it prompts quicker decision-making. Number two, Understanding your customer's personal pain helps differentiate you and your company from competitors. Uncovering personal pain allows you to differentiate yourself from your competitors by offering a solution that, of course, solves the professional and business challenges of the company, but also takes into account the customer's individual needs and desires. Now, you're going to have more than one individual that you're working with. So you definitely have to balance that. But there's going to be people that are more influential than others. And knowing their personal pain, working that into ultimately the solution that you're providing can make a big impact on your success. This personalized approach sets you apart and enhances your overall value proposition. For example, let's say there's two vendors and they're roughly equal to what they accomplish and they're selling some type of SaaS software as a service cloud solution, and more or less, they're, they, they kind of do the same thing. Well, your ability to tap into key people's personal needs will ultimately set you apart. For example, uh, you're working with an economic buyer who just happens to be new to the company, and now it has inherited and owns this problem or project, and they ultimately need to demonstrate a successful win for the business as part of their early tenure in this new role. Your focus on how they could be impacted can be a big deal in gaining traction with that decision maker. For example, 
you find some way to provide them the reports that allows them to better communicate the change and success of the overall project, right? They still have somebody that they need to report to or other business units that they need to justify or demonstrate uh, the overall success of the project. So much effort goes into telling all the reasons why, why a project should be done. How powerful is it when that person can go back and then prove it post-project? Uh, maybe another example is, let's say you're, you have a mid-level manager that will own the operations of the product or project that you're trying to sell. And they've been with a company for 20 years. And maybe they're in that stage of their career where they're just trying to hold on to their job for another five years uh, before retirement. They don't want risk and they don't want to work harder. So how can you tap into that personal need with your solution? Finally, I'll give you a third reason why this is important is you know, uncovering personal pain is about building long-term relationships. When you understand and you can empathize with the customer's personal pain, it shows that you genuinely care about their well-being. I mean, we are, and I've said this many times, we're in the people business. Your ability to execute on this builds trust and rapport. The customer is more likely to share information and engage in meaningful conversations when you can get down to that level. A few, few comments on why finding personal pain is important. All right, but how do you do it? Um, it, it definitely starts with being authentic and asking really good questions. You got to ask great, great questions. You're going to find that there are layers of personal questions, and you probably already know this, but you can pick up some of the surface level details about personal pain through a normal sales meeting, but then there's the more personal questions. And those more personal questions can be really difficult to ask in a discussion when there's other people around. Right. So if you're in a meeting, you're in a group setting, it's hard to get information from an individual in that group setting versus one on one. Um, for example, if I'm in a meeting with my boss and maybe my boss's boss, I'm probably going to be a little bit more guarded about what I say and what I do. It's no different for your customer. It's normal. Now, you get me out to lunch, grab a cup of coffee, maybe a beer. We meet one on one. We're going to have a different discussion. This is such an incredibly important step when trying to build relationships and uncover personal pain and motivation. Hopefully, um, in whatever you do for sales, you have a defined sales process or at least a sales checklist. Included in that should be you know, a step that when assessing your key players, which you're probably going to do, right? You're going to have your org chart. You're going to talk about the people, the responsibility. When assessing those key players, um, number one, have a in your checklist, have you been able to meet with them one-on-one? -on -one? And number two, have you been able to get, get them out of the office one-on-one? -on -one? If all you can do is one-on-one -on -one in the office, it's better than nothing. I guess, what am I saying? It's who goes to the office anymore, but hopefully you get my point. Now, it's obviously you have to do a lot more once you get them one-on-one, -on -one, but just as one of the steps in your checklist, if you're not able to get these key people out one-on-one, -on -one, you're definitely not getting to their personal pain and everything else that'll come from that. Can you still get a deal done without getting to this level? Sure. What do A players or the top 10% do? They do this every single week. They get their contacts one-on-one. -on -one. They're out there with them socially. They're outside the office. And they're personally, and they're, lear they're learning about their personal backgrounds, 
Um, they're getting to know their contacts. They're really building out that broader view of that individual contact. What are some of the questions that you could ask? Well, you could be direct, right? You could just ask them. So how does this current situation, maybe whatever they're doing in this project or the company, how does this current situation impact you on a personal level? The real skill in all of this, I think, is in how you ask the follow-up questions, right? It's ask the question, and then there's the continued follow-up questions in a very conversational role. So examples might be, well, what happens if, you know, insert scenario, right? This project goes bad. This project goes good. This project doesn't happen. What happens, right? Then what happens to you if this change happens or if this change doesn't happen or if things are status quo? Uh, what are you worried about with this project? Uh, what are your personal goals or aspirations with your company or outside the company? What are your personal career goals? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Learning about their home front can have a big impact on motivation, right? What does their family look like? Their spouse, their children? That's going to play a role, high probability that plays a role in some part of their personal motivation. Now, th there's definitely an art with how you frame up these questions. For example, um, I, I like to start with a very casual tone to how I ask the question. I also like to relate it back to my personal goals. And I really believe this, you know, when in this area, sometimes you have to share some personal insights to get some personal insights. This may be counter to what you sometimes see in a sales book where, you know, you need to be doing 20% of the listening and the customer needs to do 80% of the talking, but in kind of in the early stages to get the conversation going, you know, it's a little bit like a ping pong game. You need to give some to get some, right? To get that back and forth. Um, another, another maybe way of doing this is let's say you're a younger rep, your early career. One way to tee up the conversation is just to be genuinely honest. It's like, hey, I'm early in my pro professional career. I was curious, what are some of the lessons you learned as you were progressing in your career? Is there anything you would have done differently? What does the future look like now? By the way, I still do this because I love to hear people's plans. It motivates me. And I sometimes pick up ideas or I get expired. I'm sorry, inspired. You know, that's why I love to do this podcast. It's just I'm always hearing just amazing things that people are thinking about doing, wanting to do, or are doing already. So, you know, I want you to think about this. When asking these questions, do you think you're going to pick up some personal insight and motivations from the, the response? I mean, absolutely. How could you not? Another topic I think that uh, is a great way to pull some personal motivation, and it's top of mind for everybody right now, is work-life balance. You know, with this big shift in how or where people work, you can ask a legitimate question about how they envision the ideal work-life balance given all the change since the pandemic. You know, how's it been working out for you? How supportive is the company around your work-life balance? How is working different for you now than earlier in your career? You know, are you looking for specific answers when asking these questions? No, I hope not. Um, how could you? You know, you're just you're just asking these questions because you're genuinely curious and you're building a relationship. And you know, when you're asking about the work-life balance, you're going to pick up nuggets of information along the way that you just have to pay attention to, file it away, maybe come back around and ask a really good follow-up question. I just, I mean, think about it. who knows what you'll learn. Um, maybe you can help, maybe you can't, but based on the things you picked up, maybe you can help later. So as I wrap up, listen up. 
If you're walking your dog, maybe you zoned out for a minute, pay attention to this part right here. I'm going to give you an A player secret. You're having this conversation. You've learned about a personal topic, something about your contact. And, you know, there is an opportunity there for you to follow up on that personal topic in the future. Now, you may say, yeah, no, no, no kidding, Chris. I, I'm, of course, I'm going to use it. I'm going to follow up. But let me give you an example of what I saw a top performing rep do time and time again. I worked with this rep and he was so good at this. For example, he would learn that his customer was planning, let's say some vacation. They're going to, I don't know, Italy. He would follow up with an article on some really cool site in Italy or even send a travel guidebook on the area. Uh, and there's just so many examples of where he personally followed up with something based on something he learned that was more of a personal nature with that individual contact. Now, he wasn't doing it for, for a specific outcome. He was always just genuinely excited and wanted to share with his contact. He liked, he liked kind of providing a service to people. And I go back to that book. I haven't read it in a while, but I definitely have read it multiple times over the years, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, if you've not read it, go buy it right now, read it. It's really old, but if you did 30% of what's in that book with your customers and with your, your contacts every single week, you're getting to a personal level with them that your competition, they're going to they're gonna envy you. They're going to admire you. And it's going to create an incredible barrier to competition as you uh, continue to uh, execute on that with those contacts. By the way, there's one question that I don't like, which is, what keeps you up at night? Uh, I'm sure at one point it felt like a good question, but it's so overused. It just, it just, it's just not authentic anymore. And it, it might have been a few years ago. It must have been before the pandemic, but I was on a ride along with a rep. They did ask that question and I was watching the customer and I cringed a little bit. And then the customer said, I'll tell you the same thing I told the vendor before you that was just in here meeting with me. And they were asking that same question. And my answer is, nothing. And man, talk about awkward. But so yeah, that's my personal opinion. Do what you want. Uh, but as I wrap up, do you want to get better in this area? If you do, I highly recommend that you start getting organized because you can go do all the work and you can get all the personal information, start to really understand personal pain. But then what do you do with it, right? It's, it's, it's a journey and you need to be organized in, in some way so that when you're following up with that customer or that contact, um, you can do something with it. Now, if your company does not have a great CRM or they leverage the CRM in the wrong way, meaning just for forecasting, go spend $8 a month and have your own CRM and just use it for contact management. You can record all the information that you learn about your contacts so you don't forget. Um, Sure. I mean, you could put the information in OneNote, Evernote, Word, or some other document, and that's fine. But it doesn't really support the ability to go fast. You know, it doesn't give you the ability to quickly pull up the contact, grab key data points before the before meeting with them, and then you know be ready to go. You know what I love about just all these different CRMs out there? They're they're practically free. You can go in there and set up uh, standard fields for certain data points that you personally like to gather. You know, it equates to the old day you had your Rolodex and you had the standard fields that you'd put on your little note card. It's the same thing. 
I personally really like the ones that allow you to add in different tags that make it really easy to quickly search people for certain things down the road. Uh, one, one quick example that I've used the CRM for is, you know, maybe by city, if you have a territory where you're traveling and you want to quickly kind of sort search by a city, you know, you can do that. For example, uh, I've quickly searched my own database for podcast guests that live in a certain area when I'm, I just happen to be traveling to that city. And, you know, if I, if I have time and they're available, maybe we can grab a quick, a quick cup of coffee or, or lunch or something like that. Anyway, so back to the, uh, I guess, wrapping up with the, the, the questions to uncover personal pain. One thing that helps is to really do your research in advance on the contact. Um, it ultimately can help you ask better and more relevant questions. And then what I would recommend is practice your questions, right? It's as you're getting into the personal area, you want it to be conversational. You want it to be natural. You want it to be casual. And so if, if that's not natural for you, I would script them out, practice them, say them out loud. The more you practice, the more casual, comfortable, and natural you're going to sound. Uh, and then it does become more conversational. So that's really it for today. I would love to hear what works for you. If you have some thoughts in this area, uh, please send me an email. You can DM me in, Insta, uh, in uh, LinkedIn. I'd love to have you as a guest on the podcast and hear some of your thoughts. You can find uh, my contact information in the, in the show notes. Until next week, make this your best week ever. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.